You are listening to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show, sponsored by CurioSoft Kids Games and the letter E. Visit the Indie Game Development Podcast site at www.indiegamepod.com. Hi, welcome to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show. Today with me are two special guests uh, from the IGF Mobile Game Development Finalists. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, this is uh, Tobin Lent. I'm the founder and CEO of Punch Entertainment. And I'm Steve Nix. I'm the creative director of Punch Entertainment. Great. Uh, what what game got you into the uh, mobile game development finalist showcase? Well, actually, the, the game was Ego, which is a social networking game that we've been working on for the last year and a half. And how did you get into games? What inspired you guys to do mobile games? Well, we actually uh, got into games at the very beginning of the industry in North America. Um, we were actually uh, going around uh, pitching a, a multiplayer game system to some of the uh, game companies, and we were in talking to Midway, and uh, they were talking about some uh, mobile games that they were working on and asked if we could help out. And we were pretty excited about that and saw that as an in- interesting opportunity, so we developed uh, one of the first mobile games in the industry, which was Defender, and then we went on to work uh, with THQ on some of the first uh, mobile games to hit the market here in North America, Astro uh, Smash, and then some and television titles. And you know, since that time, we've worked on you know numerous titles for some of the big publishers. How is developing that first mobile game? Were the I mean, what were the main challenges when you first started out? Well, obviously, uh, you know, trying to develop on, you know, very limited uh, spec handsets was the biggest challenge. And I think early on what we didn't understand was how difficult porting was going to be. And obviously in, in the industry now you realize that porting is, is a, you know, a big part of the, uh, the success of any game. But, it, you know, early on we just didn't realize how difficult it would be to port and how different all the different handsets were from each other. And after that first game, you mentioned doing some other games. Um, out of those other games, what would you say were, I guess, the ones that you felt were, I guess, like changed your understanding of developing games for the mobile game space? Well, I think uh, one of the games that really opened our eyes to some of the challenges, we, we did a multiplayer title called Fox Sports Racing uh, in conjunction with Glue, and uh, we realized how difficult it was to do multiplayer. This this was several years ago, wow. and uh, you know it gave us kind of a reality check about um, you know the technical limitations and some of the challenges to do some of the things we wanted to do. And what I mean, when you were trying to do multiplayer, what was like, what was the main challenge for it? Uh, really, it was getting uh, the game to work on uh, a large number of handsets and maintain, you know, the core feature set. And also, at that time, the networking uh, protocols were implemented differently for each handset. So, really, getting everything working together was a was a massive challenge. Uh, I just added that the uh, supporting the different connections, server connections across different networks, is also a major issue when you have to deal with multiple carriers. So it's not as straightforward as just trying to, let's say, do it on uh, over a PC or something like that. So after you guys developed this multiplayer game, were you guys thinking of just thinking that multi- or single-player games would work best on mobile devices, or were you still considering doing multiplayer games in the future? 
so actually, after that experience, we did come to the conclusion that to focus on uh, more single-player games, although we still felt that, you know, really uh, community-based games were, were the future, we felt that we were a little uh, early. And, uh, you know, keep in mind, this was several years ago, yeah. so the vision of Punch Bay is focused on community games. Yeah. And that is our focus, and we do think the time is right now, even though we still have some of these lingering difficulties. For a period there, we really did... Uh, pulled back on the ambitions and uh, really learned about the limitations of uh, not only the, the higher enhancements but all the enhancements that we needed to port to. So we, we were actually doing more uh, single-player games, you know, learning uh, the handset specifications across all the handsets we had to support and then waiting for the time when there was, uh, you know, the, the, the devices had more capability, particularly to support networking. We think that you know, now, now's the time to start to, to refocus on you know, those networked uh, multiplayer games. Now, some of the challenges for the for the mobile game space is it are they mainly business challenges? The challenges of like working with carriers, or is it mainly these technical issues of just being compatible with all the different phones? I think it's both. I'll, I'll talk to the business side. Um, you know, really the uh, the carriers can be your your best asset or your your worst enemy, depending on. You know how they work with you, and I think there there are a lot of uh, very large uh, business challenges in this space that we need to overcome. You know, the marketing and sales channel uh, really has a long way to go in terms of you know supporting a robust industry. And you know, from an indie developer um, perspective, you know we're we're hoping to see more support um, of innovative titles. I think today there's there's kind of conservative view to take uh, titles that have a very uh, uh, well-known brand with proven success as opposed to, you know, taking a look at some concepts that really could uh, create, uh, you know, a lot of new business and uh, giving that a try. I think there's just a lot of conservative, um, you know, um, just conservative uh, approach from the carriers, and we're, we're hoping that that's going to change. Now, when you talked about finishing that first multiplayer game, and now you're talking about how your last game was a multiplayer game too. Were there any multiplayer games in between Ego City and the first multiplayer game you did? Well, there, there was one uh, attempt at doing a, a Bluetooth multiplayer game with a, a, a title we had called Gunslinger, and that was a title that we did just, just prior to Ego. Okay. And again, we, the challenge there was um, it was a great concept, but um, we, we were actually hoping to have more device support on uh, AT&T than we actually ended up getting. A lot of the, the devices that um, did support Bluetooth were actually cycled out by the time we got to the porting phase. So by the time we actually were in the market with this title, very few Bluetooth multiplayer, uh, Bluetooth-supported devices were out there. Um, there are a lot of Bluetooth devices that support a, a headset, for example, but not too many that give the developer programmatic access. And you know, we, we were pretty disappointed because the game uh, was a you know shooter game where uh, oh, yeah. based on the wild kind of spaghetti western where you know people could fight each other. We just didn't have the device support for it. Okay. And so when you decided to develop Ego City, what what did you have in mind? I mean, given all the learning lessons that you've gotten from developing those prior titles, uh, what were your design goals when you first started? Well, you know, I can talk about you know our vision of, of Punch was really uh, we we believe the first phase of the industry was really about you know about all these titles that were ported from arcade console PC. 
and uh, we really believe the second phase of the industry is going to be focused on more mobile-specific titles. And to us, we think one of the, the important elements of those titles will be to focus on the strengths of mobile, which, you know, a large part of it is the mobility and the connectivity. And so we really uh, wanted to focus on a community game, um, and that was kind of the business uh, vision of uh, behind Ego. And then we went through several, you know, brainstorming sessions and came up with some wacky ideas that uh, ultimately ended up with uh, Ego, uh, which everybody really, really liked. Uh, OSC kind of continue to calm on this. Yeah, so the, the main design goal then became um, how do you create a, a social game that takes advantage of the fact that everyone has mobile and it's very easy to connect with each other very, very quickly. So the premise evolved into, well, what defines someone's personality, what defines someone's uh, behavior, and how would that then affect a, a game avatar? that they would have for the, for the game, for Ego. So we started building up systems where as, as different player Egos would interact, they would leave personality effects on each other. And so by just the very action of, of socializing or communicating, like leaving Ego mail or, or chatting with someone or even commenting on their, their blog in their journal, you would actually have a, a change not only on your own Ego, but on theirs, and you'd leave a lasting impression. So it became one of the first games, I think, that really allowed the game community to affect everyone's avatars and not just your own game character. When you were developing this, uh, were you thinking of having or focusing on real-time interactions, or was the goal to maybe do turn-based interactions? I know there's this talk of like real-time gaming versus asynchronous gaming and how for the casual audience, asynchronous gaming actually is, is more suitable. I wasn't sure if you guys yeah. consider that. Well, that's a great question. And, you know, one of the things that we learned uh, trying multiplayer games in mobile early on was that trying to do anything real-time was, was uh, almost impossible and also, you know, didn't really uh, fit well with, with the medium. So um, all of our games really are have kind of passive multiplayer. So, for example, with Ego, um, your, your ego, your little avatar, goes out and interacts with other uh, people's egos, their avatars. And um, this really uh, happens, you know, whether they're online or not. So, they, they, you know, the ego basically interacts with their ego on their, you know, personality and their attributes and their stamina at the time. And their ego actually reacts to what you're doing, you know, based on those, those attributes. And so that other person can actually log on at any time and, and, you know, check the interactions that um, his little ego had throughout the day. And we think that's uh, a really good fit for mobile. And uh, we did um, add some real-time capability in there so egos can, uh, you know, chat, interact in real time, but that's not, um, you know, a required part of the, the connectivity. And, you know, most of our games have that uh, design feature built in where um, the multiplayer aspect of connectivity is, 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 you know, passive. And we think that's important for mobile. While you were designing this, were there any other uh, design surprises or interaction surprises that you discovered or integrated into the game that you didn't initially think of? Well, the, the development process was pretty challenging based on, on hardware, for one, oh, which yeah. is always a aspect of mobile. But uh, what we did find is that as we started developing the uh, different systems of how egos would affect each other, we started learning how much we could fit in terms of the, the space for each application. And so we were 
able to fit in quite a bit more of the, the art and customization than we had initially expected. Uh, we've made some, some early on some pretty clever decisions about how to construct the egos uh, to allow for customization, but the end result was quite a bit beyond what we had hoped, so we were very pleased with the result there. And we were also add, able to add different features like extra chatting and blogging and, and more of the, uh, the connected features that you would expect from like a social site on, a, on the PC. And it's interesting, as we were developing Ego, like Steve said, the, the end result was much more uh, ambitious than how we started. And, and the reason for that is we kind of play tested the game internally. We kept wanting to add more and more things and uh, you know, felt that it was really important to the fun factor of the game to be able to do certain things between Egos. And so it really, uh, the feature set grew quite a bit. And, and fortunately, we, we were able to accommodate that uh, you know, with, even despite the uh, handset limitations. So we we're, were very happy how it turned out. And for user testing, um, how did you go about that? Was it just hardware side? I mean, just to make sure that the game was in, engaging and interactive enough. Uh, like, what was the target audience for this? And, like, was it just giving them a handset and making sure that they could interact with the game properly? Or is there anything special that you have to do for mobile games? in terms of user testing? Yeah, obviously the, the, the most important thing to us is to make sure the game, you know, is really fun. And so that's what we were really after. Uh, we knew that the, the target uh, demographic of this game was probably kind of teens on up. Um, and, uh, you know, we definitely tried to get the, the game into the hands of as many people within that demographic as we could. And, uh, you know, we were just saying, you know, what, what's fun about this game? What, what do you like about it? What do you want to see? And, you know, we, we had a lot of people playing this game very early on. You know, everybody here at Punch, um, our friends and families, you know, every uh, teen, teenager we could get our hands on will play the game. And so, you know, there, there was extensive playtesting of this game. Um, and uh, I think that really helped in, in creating, you know, helping us to hone in on, you know, the, the things that were most fun about the game. Were there any major changes that had to happen as a result of the understandings learned from the playtesting? Uh, I think I think the biggest change was uh, trying to match what the functionality would be on a social site, let's say a, a Facebook, sure. to what the experience was on mobile. Because our initial impression on, on what we were trying to do on mobile was uh, create an experience that would maybe augment a site like that. But as we continue to develop uh, the game, we actually realized we could fit a little bit more than we thought initially. So near the end of the project, through playtesting, we were able to add more and more features that truly made it its own its own social site. You could go to Ego and play Ego on the mobile, as well as uh, visiting Ego City as the website, and have uh, coverage of all those features that people would expect from another type of social site. Were you guys able? And I think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. As I say, the the other thing that we really realized through the process is that people wanted to do more and more things with their, their uh, ego avatars. So if you look at a lot of the avatar-based systems out there, yeah. you know, the avatars really can't do that much with each other. They can, you know, maybe dance or move around and, you know, maybe there's a text bubble. But with it, within our game, we actually allow you to do a, a, a wide range of things. You know, they can fight each other. They can flirt with each other. They can hug each other. You know, they can debate with each other. Uh, there's really almost no limit to what they can do with each other. And, you know, we, we've never seen that level of interactivity 
between avatars really in, in too many games, especially a casual avatar-based game like this. And uh, a lot of that was a result of what uh, users were looking for. And were you guys able to borrow from games in Japan and Asia? I mean, is are these like mobile type of games more prevalent there? Or is it still an emerging and defining field? Well, I mean, you know, one thing we wish we had is the uh, the, the handset capabilities that Japan has. Oh, yeah. um, they, they're really far, far ahead of us. We could have done some amazing things. And also, you know, from a porting perspective, they, they have, you know, a few really high-end handsets, and it's a lot easier to port to, and it's a lot easier to maintain a uh, common feature set across all your builds. So that we really would have liked. Um, and so I think we're doing as much as we possibly can over here. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of us here are, are very much inspired by, you know, uh, Nintendo and their games, and um, that's probably where we get most of our inspiration uh, from that, that part of the world. You I think they also have, they've focused recently on lots of microtransactions. Oh, yeah. In some of their, especially for their avatar-type games. And while the systems aren't quite in place for us to do it in the States, uh, it certainly inspired the attitude that we wanted to let uh, avatars unlock and earn new rewards. So instead of purely having it be a, a monetary basis here on, on Eco Mobile, instead, uh, through your actions, as you change your personality, you actually unlock these new archetypes, which gives you a reward system. You earn new clothing sets and new potentially animations and, and, and toys that work with those archetypes. So you actually are earning rewards based on the gameplay as opposed to just simply buying a new hat, for instance. So we took the inspiration, at least for, for making sure that they had lots of different customized options available to the characters, but we built more game mechanics around earning them. You guys mentioned uh, offering fighting and flirting and some other interactions between the different avatars. Uh, how does that exactly work in your game? Okay, for the mobile version... Uh, you can trigger competitions either through social interactions. So let's say if you started pushing the other ego, depending upon that ego's personality, he might respond by pushing you back or he might curse you out or he might actually throw a punch. And so a fight would break out. However, there's also a method to always trigger competitions where you give each other gifts. So if you give some, some ego flowers, you'll trigger a flirt competition. If you give them the gauntlet, you trigger a fight competition and so on. And then the plan for the EGO website, for EGO City, is we can take some of these competitions and actually flesh them out as more fully-blown games. And so we have a club aspect to EGO City, where each of these clubs will take a game experience and, and make it a deeper, deeper, more rewarding game. How do you... And the fun thing about competitions on, the, on, the, on mobile is that they're really based on your EGO. So you, you know, if you train your EGO, he's always uh, you know, eating healthy foods, lifting weights, you know, he's kind of uh, more more of a mean kind of ego. He'll be a, a good fighter, and you can also augment that with certain items that you unlock through playing the game. And some of the items, uh, you know, such as the, the ninja sword, you know, give you a bonus in the fight. So it, it's pretty interesting to, you know, get into a socialization with this uh, ego who's completely decked out in fighting garb and looks meaner than heck, and you know that the... Be a tough fight. So I think you know the fact that the egos are their own little uh, characters uh, is really a fun aspect of the game. Yeah, the visuals have really paid off well on that aspect because if you encounter an ego, the goal was 
immediately upon seeing that person, you can get an idea of their past. So if they come in and they look kind of like a thug, or they have some of the thug gear or boxer gear or you know, assassin's blade on their back, you get to know uh, a little bit of their history immediately. So if you see an ego walk in and he looks like a badass, I mean, you, you probably will lose to him in a fight. <laughs> if you see an ego looks like a flirt, romance-type character from a, a romance novel, then you can expect that that person does well in, in flirt competitions. So yeah. visuals were really important there. My, my ego uh, just hit uh, a preppy. I was just playing it, and he, he started crying. So <laughs> never know what the reaction is going to be. <laughs> Great. And how how important or how does the website relate to the game itself? Um, you mentioned that you know it was initially designed for mobile, and now you're having some website features. Uh, where do you see then the interaction from the website activities tying into the game? Well, I think from day one we felt that uh, the website was critical to supporting our game. And one thing that we wanted to show the carriers is that we were going to put a lot into a game and also we were going to you know really help to market the game and we thought the website was really critical for uh, you know giving uh, people a place to go to learn more about the game before they uh, made a decision to uh, you know purchase the game uh, on mobile and so that's you know primarily what it, what it was for but then we realized that you know we can offer uh, a demo version for people to check out the game and also add more uh, features and functionality that kind of extend the experience for mobile. And so it's really become, you know, a lot of things to us. It's a selling and marketing tool. It's a uh, customer support tool. And it's uh, something that we can use to um, add uh, or extend the, the uh, initial experience. From your point of view, um, you know, there, there are these social networks like Facebook that are also releasing uh, mobile features to their network. Since you guys are coming at it from the perspective of a game, um, do you see it as a totally different design space, or is it a similar space, and you guys are, are making it a game as compared to a social network, or...? Yeah, we really, uh, you know, we're not interested in building a competing social network. That's not what Ego is. I mean, it's really, it's really about gaming. I think what we've done is built a really strong community around that. So um, that's where some of these, you know, Facebook type features come in. It's really almost like a mini social network. But one of the things that, you know, has always been important to us is to actually integrate into these social networks. So uh, currently we have uh, an application on Facebook, an ego application. It's called Ego Mail. Oh, wow. And uh, so it just allows us to bring in, um, you know, the ego that you've developed on your phone uh, into your, your Facebook uh, world and you know we're we're extending the functionality there as well so your ego can currently deliver you know variety of messages messages to your friends and eventually we we hope to see you know the ability for egos to you know basically uh, interact within Facebook too so you know we're definitely not competing we're really uh, kind of a, an added uh, feature almost to these other social networks and uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with uh, Gaia but they also release something or Gaia Online. They released something on Facebook, so is and it seems to have taken off to an extent. So, is the goal partially to extend the environment or to introduce the Ego City environment into Facebook so that Facebook users could use it or get gain access to it through Facebook at first, and then eventually move on to using it via their mobile phones? Yeah, that's that's the hope. I mean, it's kind of twofold. It's very similar to to the website. You know, in, in one respect, we hope that 
it's compelling enough as a standalone application that uh, people are going to become interested in ego and, you know, get the, the ego mobile game. But additionally, you know, people that do have the mobile game already, we want this to be uh, something that is, is, again, an extension of that experience that allows them to take their cool ego that they've been working on and bring it into um, other parts of their digital world. And, you know, that's a big part of our design philosophy with this game is that we want, uh, you know, you to make, you, you know, an investment in your ego character. And in exchange for that, we want to make sure that you're able to use that ego character in a variety of different places in your kind of digital domain. Yeah, each, each uh, platform, if you will, offers its own advantages. So mobile is the core game, and you have your mobile phone with you at all times, so you can quickly check on your messages or send off a message to someone or, or you know, offer a quick challenge, like, you know, pick a fight with a friend or, or give them flowers, whatever it is. Sure. And then the website has uh, a different experience because that's usually where you're sitting down and maybe spending a little bit more time. So now with, with Ego City and potentially with clubs, you can either play a longer game experience or you can, you can leave a little bit more of your own personal information about yourself, almost like a social site. And then with Facebook, for the Ego Mail app, it's a great way to then take what you've developed as part of your personality, so this is your ego avatar, because Facebook is, is mostly about like showing elements of yourself and your own personality. So it shows, here's my ego, this is what I've been playing, and you get to send someone else a message and have that show up in, in everyone's feeds, and so they know what you're doing, they know what you're playing, and know what you're interested in. So they all work together pretty well. Also, are there any nuances or um, different things that you need to do to cultivate a mobile community? Since the focus is on you know the mobile game space, um, are there any like have you found any differences or surprises as compared to say developing a, a traditional web community? Well, I think you know, we're definitely pioneering here. I don't think there's definitely. any been what we're doing here with this product. So you know, a lot of these um, you know questions are unanswered at this point. But you know, we do do think it's important to be able to support uh, the users as much as possible. You know, to let them uh, learn about the game. You know, before they buy it, and after they buy it, really support them and make sure that they're they're having a lot of fun and that they have an experience that's going to be enjoyable for for a long period of time. So. You know, we're really looking at it not just as a singular mobile game playing experience, but, but a community that we need to support. And, you know, we'll continue to do that. And that's where some of these other platforms uh, come in, like, you know, Ego on the Web and Ego on Facebook. We're just, you know, everything is really trying to support the, the, uh, the compelling community experience on the phone. Yeah, for Ego, for mobile, um, we wanted to make sure that it was really easy to make friends. And because, uh, like, a online forum or something is a community where people may spend a lot of time and, and actively be online at the same time, mobile is different. You have different uh, usage, you know, sure. usually small, maybe five-minute intervals, and, and then you're done. So we made sure that when you created your ego and then you logged off, other players could randomly social, socialize and find you. And so your ego would then act as your own you know, personality ambassador and, and, and represent you as a player. So they could interact with you even if you're offline, and you could even get buddy requests and and respond directly through your your personality AI. So you could make friends when you're offline, and then when you come back on, you you know, oh, I've met five new people, and several of them you might be more interested in, and and add them as buddies, and then get to know them better. So, and ego is actually a great way to to get to know people. So you know, in comparing it to to a social networking site, you you can go and 
you know, check out uh, on the social networking site, you can just check out what people are about. But with ego, it's a game. So you've got your little ego character, and they can go out and, you know, do all different kinds of things with other folks' egos. And it's just kind of a fun way to get to know people. And, and along with each ego is obviously the, the profile of the user, you know, where they live and, you know, maybe their their age and, and things like that. So, you know, it's just, it's really a fun game environment to, to, to meet people. And, um, you know, we, we hope, we're very anxious to see how, uh, you know, people build their buddy list based on this uh, kind of gameplay experience, the social gameplay experience. You mentioned that you are pioneering this space so does it does it feel then like a whole new design space compared to um you know developing for just the web or something else and and if it is a new design space what would you say are like say the top two or three surprises that you've encountered or interesting interaction dynamics that you've encountered in this space i i'll take a stab at that um we've talked about it briefly before but the main difference is or at least the design goal of, of making a multiplayer game, yet people aren't online at the same time, which is almost counterintuitive. Yeah. So the big focus for Ego then became how do you how do you simulate interaction without actually being there? We we do provide chat, so if you are both online, you can chat and text each other. But sure. In world, the experience is that you're not going to be there at the same time as your potential friends are, and in fact. You don't know who these people are yet. You're making new friends. So that was the biggest, I think, maybe design change and development was figuring out methods to encourage interaction where one person's offline. So it was developing this personality AI that would let your ego take over and represent you. And it truly does. The actions that you do as you're playing the game influence your character. So if you're very very pushy and bossy and you, you throw punches at each other, your character evolves and your personality takes on an aggressive thug is one of the archetypes. So other people interacting with you, when you're offline, they'll respond accordingly. Your thug might push them around. But if you're very nice and generous, you'll become one of the, the nicer archetypes, and then when people meet you, you'll be very pleasant. So your game actions do then represent you when you're offline. You know, and I'd add to that, too. I mean, we kind of realized, you know, after being in the space for so long that, um, you know, if we really want to create a fun experience, we need to focus on the mobility and the connectivity. Um, the the audio, the graphics, everything else on mobile is really never going to compare to, you know, anything in the in the console or the PC side or even the handheld, you know, console, the, the Nintendo DS and PSP. Sure. And, you know, some handsets may get close, but, you know, in terms of looking at the broad handset uh, list, we need to it's not going to be there. So what we really needed to do you know, for Ego, what we're doing for all of our games is really um, honing in on the fun fact of what's going to be fun for people to take advantage of that whole building connectivity. And, you know, Ego was right in the sweet spot uh, since we have these uh, relatively uh, light from a, um, you know, graphics perspective. Uh, Egos, they, they still look great, but, you know, not heavy on the graphics. Uh, going around and interacting with other people, it was, you know, seemed to us to be the perfect fit. And we were able to do that because we designed from the ground up uh, specifically for that. Are you guys leveraging a geocaching or anything like that in terms of uh, helping with asynchronous uh, dynamics or interactions? Yeah, it'd be great. We we are looking at uh, you know putting that into to ego. Obviously, that would be an exciting thing, and we've had um, some ideas in the past. You know, the challenge for us always is getting uh, the feature set 
uh, broadly supported the crossbow, and that's the big challenge. So you may have some carriers that support that functionality or some devices that support that functionality, but it's not supported, you know, broadly enough uh, to, to make make it something that, you know, we're going to be able to offer a, a, a experience to all users and also, you know, be able to uh, get a decent return on the game itself. So that, that's, you know, probably our biggest challenge right now. But those features are very cool and they are coming. And how do you feel about Android getting released? Is that something that you guys as uh, mobile game developers think is going to change the industry or is it a wait-and-see approach or... Any thoughts on that? Uh, you, did you say Android? Yeah, Google Android. Um, I think it's like an open source or open environment for developing mobile yeah. applications. Uh, it's very promising, but we, we hope that it's just not another platform to support uh, from a porting perspective. Um, we hope it's much more than that and a sexual change, but um, we're a little skeptical. We're, we're optimistic, but um, you know, we'll have to wait and see how it all Sure. And so now where do you see the future of the game going? The future of mobile games? Uh, well, the future of your game, and then, yeah, we can talk about the future of mobile games, too. But the future of Ego City. Uh, well, I think, uh, obviously, what we can do with Ego is continue to build uh, more things for the Egos to do. And that's going to be more uh, well, mini games or clubs. Uh, you know, we have uh, two coming up. Fight Club, much more around Eagles that like to fight. There's another one called Love Lounge coming out. That's uh, you know going to be focused more on kind of fun and dancing. Oh, okay, great. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, that's going to be an experience that can be played um, on the web and mobile. So, you know, it's really about uh, continuing to build out the ego world and, and, and adding more activities and things for egos to do, as well as more opportunities for them to, um, you know, customize their uh, little ego space and their egos themselves. So we're going to be offering, you know, kind of a digital marketplace where people can buy, you know, new clothes and items that uh, can help them out with maybe some of the competitions and also are decorative and things like that. Can Can folks already get pets, I take it, or is that something that might come in the future or totally different from that this. is coming and we don't want it to just be decorative pets either we're hoping that the pets will actually be able to do some neat things themselves so great and what about um building or missions stuff like that is does that even relevant to the mobile game space or does that just seem too it's just too real time or too interactive to be relevant to um Something well, like. probably, you know, a, a decent time to talk about another game that we have uh, coming out. Uh, we have um, a game called Mobile Battles Reign of Swords coming out, which is more uh, more along those those lines. And this is a uh, multiplayer collectible battle game that's uh, similar uh, in gameplay to Advance Wars. And the idea there is that, you know, you fight uh, through these uh, campaign missions uh, to um, unlock uh, more uh, units and technology to build a highly customized army. You build it basically the way you want to. And uh, once you've played through a certain number of campaigns, you start to unlock the multiplayer maps. And that's when uh, you can take your uh, army out and battle your friends or other people. And, you know, that's, that's one that's, um, you know, pretty exciting to us because it does um, offer some opportunities, you know, to continue to build that brand and offer more uh, maps and missions and things like that based on the core gameplay. That's a good example of how how mobile and web are planned. Uh, they come together pretty well because the mobile experience 
uh, depending upon the handset, you can only offer so many maps or so many missions. Sure. So we, we developed a way that made the mobile and the web uh, totally interactive in terms of challenging. Like you can launch challenges from the mobile or the web and you can find each other. And so the, the player base becomes the same group of people. But the web obviously has more ability to provide more maps or expansions or missions. So if you, if you play through the mobile experience and you really like that, then you might visit the web and continue to build your army, continue to use those um, units that you've developed to fight new battles on, on the web. Aside from these two games, are there any other games that your game studio is working on, or are those the two, are those two the main focus? Well, we definitely have other games uh, that we're working on, but these are two of our flagship titles that we're uh, talking about uh, now. And I think, you know, uh, Vigo actually is something that we're going to put a lot of uh, focus into. It's just, it's really fun for us, and we, we have uh, high hopes for it uh, going forward. And, uh, you know, the Mobile Battles game, it's really to us kind of a series of games. So Reign of Swords is the first one in the Mobile Battle series. And we have some concepts, you know, based on the same engine going forward. So we're going to be continuing to build out the Mobile Battles brand uh, going forward. And where do you see the future of mobile game development going? Since you guys are, um, you guys are the pioneers in the space and, you know, you probably have deep insights into, like, some of the nuances of the mobile space. You know, anything that you feel, or, you know, feel free to let indie game developers know what's going to happen. Sure. I think, I think mobile in general has evolved, as something was mentioned earlier. Um, initially, it was a lot of ports from, from previous games, like old arcade games. Um, now you're seeing still a decent amount of, of ports from console games. However, they're getting down a little bit more intelligent in that they're, they're taking the core experience that you find in console or a bigger game and they can sell it down to uh, mobile experience. So it, you, you get the feel of the larger game that you're playing it on mobile. I think going forward, or at least our slant at, at Punch, is that we know that there's certain want-to-do experiences that, that always are true and everlasting. You, you always want to feel powerful. You always want to be a knight, for example. You always want to have a bunch of friends, so ego being an example, being, being a socialite, or at least having a circle of friends that you hang out with. Sure. So I think the future of innovation in, in mobile is hopefully taking those experiences and, and distilling down what is the core element of that. What does it be to be a knight? What does it be to be a, a friend? Or what does it be to be you know, an interesting fighter if you're, if you're entering the competitions with EO or flirt, for example, if you want to go to Love Lounge and, and uh, you know, hit on the ladies or whatever it happens to be. <laughs> So it's finding that core experience and delivering it in a new way that's that's core to mobile. And in our case, we chose that, that you know the social experience was key, making sure that you always had your phone with you, you could always interact with someone very quickly, you could leave behind either a message or a battle challenge or a new social interaction and, and make it really easy for people to stay connected. And one thing that we really hope, you know, from a marketing and business perspective is that the carriers are going to support these innovative titles. I mean, I think one thing you're seeing now is that, as I mentioned before, the carriers are, are, are fairly conservative and, you know, they're limiting yeah. the number of content uh, folks they work with. And for each of those, uh, you know, uh, content partners are actually limited, uh, limiting the number of SKUs they provide. 
And so then they're really focused on almost sure bets. And I and I really hope that, you know, if any, any carriers are listening, you know, to this that they you know, we'll think about offering a channel that's more of an indie channel or, or something where they can try out some um, kind of new, interesting concepts that have some promise. Because I think, you know, that's the only way that, you know, innovative developers are going to be able to uh, participate in the space and, you know, try to, to um, you know, create some really neat things that can grow this industry more than it's growing today. Yeah, um, that is that is a huge issue. I mean, so it really it really does depend on the platforms being open more than a big part of it is that yes and, you know for us I will tell you it's it's very difficult you know there's some uh, unique business models that we want to explore around with you know we actually for ego yeah. would have preferred to offer almost you know the game entirely for free and yeah. maybe that's supported by you know, purely by this digital marketplace, so the ability to customize your ego's uh, space or the ego itself, and uh, it's just very difficult to do that in the current environment, and, and still partner with the carriers to get you know their um, sales and marketing support, um, and just you know just simply to get a game out there that's widely accessible, it's it's challenging in, in, in the current environment. And aside from Ego City, what are your other favorite mobile games? I, know, I, I always liked Nom, and, and I think I liked that just because it was it was really different, and again, it was it was focused more on mobile. Uh, I just thought it was kind of a fun little game to play. And on myself, uh, go ahead. Uh, I, one company that I think has done a really good job at uh, distilling down a bigger game concept is GameLoft. I think they've done a, good, a great job taking Prince of Persia and, and Splinter Cell and offering the experience, the core experience on mobile, yeah. still having it be a fun game. So they, they've done a good job with, with taking that essence and, and offering at least a glimpse of it on a mobile. And do you folks have any last words or suggestions for indie game developers looking to get into the mobile game development space? Well, I think... Uh... You know, it's, it's an exciting medium to develop on. I think, uh, you know, any developer getting this space does have to very seriously think about, you know, the porting challenges that they're up against and really keep that in mind when they're developing, you know, their game. And they also do have to think about how um, they are going to get, you know, marketing and distribution and, and, and you know, thinking about the partner they're going to work with. Uh, the, the carriers, I wish, were more open to uh, heavily innovative titles, uh, titles than uh, they seem to be now. So, um you know, I would say, you know, keeping those two things in mind are pretty important. But, you know, I think the medium itself has a lot of promise. Great. Uh, we're talking with some of the developers of Ego City and IGF Mobile Game Development finalists. Uh, thanks again for your time, and congratulations again on the nomination. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Take care. Bye.